are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning, this is Kate. Thank you for joining me today. You may have an inspiring vision or goal, but do you have the courage to act on it? My guest, Master Leadership Coach Chris Wall, has joined me today for a conversation about how to move in the direction of your dreams, even when circumstances seem to conspire against you and the path forward may not be obvious. Chris is an expert on adult development and personal transformation through leadership. She brings a compassionate and motivating perspective to her work and especially to the topic of navigating personal and professional transitions. Chris has long been a pioneer in the field of coaching. She founded Georgetown's Outstanding Leadership Coaching Program in 2000, a program that is renowned for delivering transformational learning experiences and really helping people create the kind of change in their lives that we're going to be talking about today. Chris coaches senior organizational leaders and executive teams, and everywhere she goes, she models a gentle, strong, wise leadership presence that causes leaders to pause, listen, and learn. Chris, thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, Kate. Thank you very much for having me. You know, Chris, today we're talking about transitions, and this is a topic we've we've spent time in the past year contemplating together and and really digging into. Um, It's been an area of interest and fascination for you for some time. Tell me why. Well, I think, you know, there are two basic reasons. One is my own confusion whenever I'm going through a transition, and the second is when I notice uh, what my clients are going through. And I think as a coach, it's up to me to know something about it uh, personally and, you know, in, in, view, in terms of the way a leader needs to be so that I can help my clients work through their transitions. And I suppose there's a third reason, too. And the third reason is that um, I have been studying this idea of how adults develop for probably the last seven years. And so um, there are developmental stages that we go through as we continue to learn into adulthood and through adulthood that really require that we transition from one stage to the next. And so watching people in those transitions has also uh, really piqued my interest about what goes on for someone when they're letting go of something and trying to embrace something new. Thank you for sharing those, those three ideas. And so it really sounds like for you, it has something to, your interest has something to do with your own personal experience and what you notice about your own transitions and then also kind of a study of transition and change as may be experienced by your clients and helping them navigate those changes um, from a, a leadership stance, you know, which is we'll talk a lot about that. There's a lot to say about that. And then the adult development perspective, which you are, have been studying for seven years. So thank you for sharing those ideas. Um, you know, about a year ago, you and I did a program. It wasn't a year ago. It was maybe seven months ago. We did a program for coaches at the Georgetown Alumni Coaching Conference. And I remember we filled the room with people um, who sat down and even sat on the floor. And we asked the question, how many people in this room feel they're in transition? And every, room, every hand in the room shot up in the air. And you asked people, um, were you attracted to the idea of a gutsy transition? And every hand in the, shot up in the air again. <laughs> and I'm interested in 
this topic of gutsy transitions, which we're going to dive into today. I think we all see ourselves there. Um, I wonder what kinds of transitions you see people having. Well, there are, there are life transitions that people go through, which are just natural. You know, you uh, go to college, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, or you don't get married and you do something else. Uh, you get a promotion. Uh, you lose a job. You move. You lose someone special in your life. These are just examples of the myriad transitions that we go through just by living. And then there are transitions that I think we go through um, because we're starting to see the world in a different way, almost like the old clothes that don't fit. Mm-hmm. And um, those are, those transitions um, are usually a little bit murky, ambiguous. It's hard for us to articulate what, what's going on for us. And we feel kind of um, like we're in uncharted territory. There is, there's not a lot of support out there, quote-unquote, for people who are going through transition where uh, they just know something needs to change and they want to move toward it and they have faith in something, but they're not able to articulate it. So uh, those transitions, in my opinion, uh, take a lot of courage. Not that the other ones don't. They do. But I think the ones that are uh, pretty much self-generated often take courage and resilience and guts, as we found out, uh, to keep on going when you don't have any markers along the way. None that you can identify yet, anyway. Yeah, that was a wonderful uh, list of transitional times that you ran through. And you really made a distinction that sometimes it's, uh, your circumstances change, the, what the circumstances of your life, uh, of your career, um, perhaps of your relationships changes and sort of external things really cause or propel you into a transition. But there's this other kind of transition that is coming from within where you suddenly just don't feel the same. You feel you're, you've changed and maybe it's an uncomfortable feeling, could be something you're excited to, to feel and experience, but nonetheless, you know you're you're longing or yearning to move towards something else. Um, how do you help people who are working on that second kind of transition, that inner transition as a coach? What do you do? Hmm. Well, that's a big question because so much of it uh, depends on how the person is seeing themselves in the transition. Um, I've recently come to believe that people move through transitions differently depending on what their experience has been with it. So if as a child I, I moved a lot and I had uh, supports in my movement where I could meet friends easily and really get myself ready to be part of something new, I might have a different viewpoint on a transition than someone who uh, didn't have those supports growing up and who really saw change as something that was, um, hmm, I'm not, not sure what, not, I'm not sure what word I'm looking for, but as something that was not so welcome. Mm-hmm. So depending on where the client, what the client's worldview is around, around change and transition and resilience, I might do different things. But I can tell you that the first thing that is always important is to help the client just be with the experience, whatever it happens to be. So if they're experiencing sadness, help them be with it. If they're, if they're experiencing excitement, help them be with it. If they're experiencing ambiguity, help them land on something that feels like uh, a platform, even if it's just one toe on a platform. 
And I think what happens, what is available to us in transition is this idea that we can actually get to know ourselves better. So I will help clients do that, whatever, whatever it is that their approach to transition might be. I'll help them understand it better. Does that make sense, Kate? It makes a lot of sense. And what seems to be implied in what you're saying is that when you say help them be with whatever it is that they're feeling about the transition, it sort of implies that they have an instinct to not be with it or to kind of move, move past it or skip over those feelings. And, and I, what I see in my coaching practice is people want to make a to-do list or sort of turn it into a series of steps and right. then not necessarily go deeper and actually acknowledge the feelings that, that, are, that they're actually feeling at that time. Is that what you mean? Yes, that's what I mean. I think it's really important for people to learn to be with because uh, we live in, I think, what I, I would call a fix-it society. And what I would say is that uh, if we really honor our transitions, it's not something to fix. It's something to experience. It's, it's almost a, it's a journey to be gone through. And if you can um, find the guts, and this is where gutsy comes in, to not need the answer yet to not know, to feel confused, to feel like you don't quite fit in, feel like you don't really have anything to add to this conversation. Um, that is important. It's important for people to be able to live in those moments, uh, the space between the waves, I guess, because um, the fix is not something that you can really apply from the outside most of the time. Most of the time, it's an inward journey even if it's uh, one of the transitions that I mentioned earlier, even if you're going to change houses or get married, that's still a transition that you have to work through on an internal level. Uh, one of the most famous writers on transition is a man named uh, William Bridges, and he says that what we have to do is uh, honor the ending, honor whatever it is that we are letting go of. And then the transition begins to come when you're in this place called a neutral zone where things aren't fixed, where things aren't clear, where things aren't answered, where things change, where you don't even know what you think some of the times. That zone can be really hard for people. And it can also be one of the most creative, exciting um, times to learn and um, really get to know yourself better. You know, a long time ago, I had a mentor whose name was Frank Kelly, and he taught Latin in one part of his career. And so when I needed some mentoring, he shared a Latin phrase with me that captured a truly important message, a message actually that changed my whole way of seeing. The phrase is called Ponta Rai, and it means everything is always moving and changing. Right. Change is the natural state of life. You know? And Frank shared this with me at a time when I was really clinging hard to an old way, and I was railing against a proposed change, and I was arguing, it's not supposed to be like this. Um, Pantarai has really taught me not to waste my energy fighting change. Uh, mm -hmm. Change is inevitable. It's a big right. idea. Right. I mean, I think if you walked into a room and said, ask people to say, you know, tell us what in your life isn't changing. I actually think you that, that the the room might go quiet. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. if you go. What is changing? You know, you're absolutely right. We are constantly in motion, and you know, really, nothing's permanent. So the more we cling, the more we actually suffer. That's true, and I so think, I think the more we relax and we don't mm -hmm. cling, the we can flow. We can allow ourselves to flow with change. 
float yeah. with change. I think your, your point earlier about um, being in a space of not knowing and letting yourself be there, not, not just trying to fix it. That's a really, really important idea. Yeah, and of course, in our culture, that's what we want to do. And, you know, it's, it seems like um, whenever we want to do, do some sort of a change for ourselves, uh, the people who have known us really are the people who've known us when, right, up until now. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's hard for people to let us shift. We have to find ways to be with ourselves so that we can actually make these shifts. Um, yeah, I, in other yeah, words, I, I don't think there's a lot of support out there for people in transition, which is one of the reasons why, as a coach, I think it's important for us to know about how to really understand transition and how to know you know, where a person is in order to support them through it. Chris, before we take a little break, can you make a couple suggestions about good ways to support people who are undergoing a transition? Well, this is going to sound very simple, but one of the best things to do is to listen. So few people have someone who truly listens to what's going on for them. And so if you can be a person in another person's life who can listen without fixing who can listen to understand, who can actually acknowledge this person for what it is they're feeling, that's actually one of the best ways to help somebody come to terms with what they're leaving behind, what they're feeling, and, and to begin to at least um, design or create an idea of what might be coming for them. So I think listening is one of the most powerful gifts you can give to someone. And in our, in our day and time, you really have to be intentional about doing it. We're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, Chris, I'd like to talk more about Gutsy. Okay. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Facing a new day, delivering services efficiently, improving citizens' lives, Booz Allen Hamilton supports the most important challenges of government, from defense and economic security to health and cyber solutions. Booz Allen's strategy and technology consultants partner with clients to deliver results that endure. Whether managing today's issues or looking beyond the horizon, clients can count on Booz Allen to help them be ready for what's next. BoozAllen.com slash ready for what's next. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email... 
please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. I'm speaking with my guest, Chris Wall, Master Leadership Coach and founder of the Georgetown Leadership Coaching Program. We're talking about transition, and we'd love to hear from you. If you email us at visionaryleader at nebocompany.com, we'll read your comments on air. If you have a question for Chris, please give us a call. Chris, we were talking before the break about um, what it really means to be in transition, and we talked a little bit about sometimes it's circumstantial. Our circumstances have changed. Sometimes it's coming from within and that there's not always a lot of support for those kinds of transitions. Um, it takes courage to navigate a transition. Um, why is that? What, what, do we, what is it that transition seems to, to require of us? Well, I think the first thing that pops to mind is the idea that we are really leaving things behind. You know, we can't, you know, people say, like, they want to get their life back on track. Well, there is no getting it back on track when you're in a transition because you don't Mm -hmm. go back. You get it on track in some new way, but you don't go back. And so all of these anchors that we've had, all of these touchstones that we've had, all of these um, familiar things, you know, and it can be friends, it can be family, it can be uh, ideas that we really believed in, it can be... Um, you know, it can be uh, prayers that, that we really trusted in. All of a sudden, these things that we trusted aren't there anymore. It's almost like a, um, it's, it's really like your anchors or the walls start to fall down. And so, man, it takes a lot of guts to stand in the presence of that and recognize that the person that you were is still a part of you, but it's not the you that you will become. And so because we can't define that next piece, it takes a lot of courage to stand in the disturbance that we, that has just been created, either by something outside of ourselves or something inside of ourselves. But in order to actually make a transition, I think that we have to be willing to be in this, what, what I would call a disturbance, to be in this sort of confusion or this lack of coherence. If we can't do that, it's really tough, in my opinion, to create something new because you're clinging to something old. And the more that you cling to it, I believe, the more your insides start to shout at you. No, 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 this isn't the right thing for you anymore. You really need to do something else. You need to live into yourself in a new way. You know, when I'm working with with, um, coaching clients, sometimes we take this idea of letting go. And mm-hmm. sit down, and we really talk through what is it that what is it that I need to let go of? What is it I, what is it I that I suddenly no longer fit with, or need to acknowledge is is moving to a different part of my life, maybe moving um, to a less important role in my life. And then what is it that I'm moving toward? Mm-hmm. What is it that I'm trying to embrace? What is it I'm stepping up to? Mm-hmm. And something about this exercise seems to really um, put some language to that feeling of needing to let go and, and potentially the, the feelings of loss that come with that and honoring you were describing earlier and yeah. then moving toward begins to help us see, even if the picture's not clear, that there is a flow, that there is a, a kind of progress in all of this. But it's a, right. it's a distinction that benefits from being called out. Right. And what you're calling up for me is certainly during times when I've been in transition and I feel like I've had some big ones, 
Uh, they've been mostly internally motivated. I've not had a lot of big things outside of my life that have, you know, sort of pushed me into the, this place of transition. Mm-hmm. But when you're in it, and you, for me, when I recognize that all those anchors are gone, and here I am, like I could be standing in the middle of my backyard, and I'll get this revelation that here I am. <laughs> and you know what? I'm really fine. Everything's really okay. And it's almost, I can't, it's hard to describe, Kate, what the feeling is, but I get overcome by a feeling of uh, trust in what is. Um, and, and the what is is a deeper place of knowing that no matter what happens, I'm really going to be okay. I've got the, I've got the gears. I've got the, I've got the ability to shift into different, you know, gears. I have the ability to stop. I have the ability to go. I have the ability to make choices about what's next. And it reminds me of that poem, you know, I'm actually looking at my yard now and seeing all the beautiful colors and the trees. And, you know, when you're standing in the middle of your life uh, and you've got those trees around you, there's that poem that goes, don't worry, the trees know where you are. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that poem like, called Lost? You're, you're Lost. in a good place regardless of what's happening because mm-hmm. you're with yourself. I think that that um, moment of centering really is resonant for me, um, but not only when I think of my clients, but also my own transitions. And I remember, for example, when I made the transition of working for a strategy consulting firm to starting my own company, my very first day in the little kitchenette that I had leased for my new business, um, I remember sitting there thinking, I'm alive and looking at my new business card and thinking, I have a business. <laughs> and it, it was so silly, really. But, but on the other hand, it was just that present moment awareness that I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing, I'm here. And um, even though I didn't know for sure how I would do it or what would happen next, it was really just helpful to be present. Yes. It's also helpful in that presence you start to recognize, gee, I constructed all that stuff before anyway, Right. Um, yeah. The way that I saw it, the way that I was in it, was my construction. I'm the one who decided what to do or what not to do, and now I'm the one deciding to leave, whatever it is, and now I get to construct something new. You know, that reminds that's me also, of... also, I think, a very freeing thing, and uh, in this day and age, I do still think it requires guts and, and a bit of resilience to hold, yeah. to hold your course and to believe in yourself while you're, while you're going through this. Sometimes transitions, you know, this being in this uncomfortable, what I call place of not knowing, um, you know, being being in that space before you really have action and really know where you're going. It's just it's hard to stay there, as you were saying before. Um, you mentioned um, being connected with nature, being being in the present, feeling um, your own aliveness. You know, ways of actually calming oneself and mm-hmm. finding courage and heart in the middle of a transition. Um, what are some other ways that maybe you've seen people or perhaps you've personally experienced of um, supporting being in this place of not knowing? Mm. Well, I mean, there are all kinds of things that people do. Um, for me, when I was going through what I would call a very major transition, I always tell my students this, books were my best friends because my best friends couldn't understand what I was up to. Mm. So I had to find a way to support myself through it when 
all the people around me who I love dearly, um, really couldn't understand what it was I was feeling, thinking, wanting. Um, and so I, I went to the books, and I, I remember one of the first books I read was by a man named Jack Cornfield called A Path with Heart. And that book, I still will pick up occasionally just to take a look and say, oh, yeah, okay, I remember. So for me, books books have always been my friends. And typically what I go to um, when I'm in a transition is not necessarily a how-to book. It's more of a spiritual book that will help me get back in touch with myself. Because I do think that there's a very spiritual side to transitions uh, for many of us, and especially for me. That said, I think there are also really practical things that people can do because um, those also help, just things that you can put in your daily life. Of course, books is one of those things. But you can also do things like um, you know, uh, go back to something that you know you love, that you've let go of for a while. So for me, I've always loved to paint or I've loved to make jewelry or I used to love to sew. If I get myself involved in something where I kind of lose myself in it, and it's also something that really nurtures me, I come out of that episode, whatever that episode is, you know, maybe I made a bracelet, or maybe I knitted a scarf, I come out of that feeling more whole. And that's really part of what I think happens in transition, is we have to um, find ways to feel that wholeness, because that's, I think, what, what builds resilience and what helps us be courageous. Mm, that I love those, sense? Yeah, I love those examples. Those are those are wonderful tips, mm-hmm. I think, for people who are listening. I was um, working with a client. I do have a story. A client who is really um, struggling at, at work with politics and with uh, just a lot of things happening at work that made the ground under him feel tectonic, right? Feel like he wasn't very grounded. And this man was a man who was an amazing thinker. And he couldn't think his way through this. Every time he thought about it, he got more stressed out. So I asked him one day, I said, what did you used to do that just brought you joy? And he said, I used to make music. I said, tell me about that. So I had been with him for something like seven months coaching him, and I had no idea that he was a music maker. And I come to find out that not only is he a music maker, he writes music. He had something like ten guitars. He had a music studio in his garage and he hadn't visited any of it for several years. So I asked him if he would consider doing that, and he said he would. And uh, about two months later, during one of our sessions, he brought me a CD of all original music that he had made. And the effect on him was that it got him out of his head, into his heart, and actually got him more space so he could actually make decisions about who he would be in the midst of all the turmoil and the transition that he was going through. So that's an example of sort of calling back to something that is inside of you that's always been there for you that you just somehow forgot about. And his is a perfect example of taking care of himself that way. It really, really helped him. And, of course, I got the beautiful CD, which I play very <laughs> often because the music is so calming, which was another window into this client. Yes, and I think that that really illustrates your point about tapping into creativity and and creative expression, something that you love to do that is you, whether it's working with wood or stone or sculpting or whether it's just cooking. I think many people find 
really spending some time creating in the kitchen can be just an enormous outlet and a, a source of inspiration and creativity. Um, so it's it's great. That's wonderful. Well, we're going to take a, another break, and um, I want to really, you've given us so much already, Chris. When we come back, I want to um, talk about um, the role of vision in helping people move from this place of not knowing to actually some purpose and some intention for where they'd like to go. So we'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Facing a new day, delivering services efficiently, improving citizens' lives, Booz Allen Hamilton supports the most important challenges of government from defense and economic security to health and cyber solutions. Booz Allen's strategy and technology consultants partner with clients to deliver results that endure. Whether managing today's issues or looking beyond the horizon, clients can count on Booz Allen to help them be ready for what's next. BoozAllen.com slash ready for what's next. Tune in to Tom Says for practical solutions that you can use in your life. Whether it's information you can use for business, spiritual awareness, health, or personal issues, you'll want to listen to this life-changing program hosted by Tom Gerbic. Tom will also invite you to participate by calling in or sending emails. There's no topic that's taboo. With Tom's life experiences, you'll find that a weekly visit can be truly inspiring. Tom Says can be heard on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, with a weekly rebroadcast on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. This is Kate Ebner on Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, and I'm talking with Chris Wall, my colleague and master leadership coach. We're talking about transition today. And Chris, we're talking about transition in the context of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. So mm-hmm. I want to bring the visionary piece into this because um, I think visionary leaders do have major transitions and some moments where they feel uh, without vision, I think all of us have the capacity for vision, but also times when we really can't summon it up. And I sometimes hear people say that their dreams seem really distant when they're wrestling with a transition. They may not know what their vision is. Uh, they may not be able to see it. So how do you advise our listeners to make space for new possibilities, especially when that current moment is truly hard? And you're just not feeling that possibilities way of seeing things. Well, I think that uh, one of the things that you can do for someone who can't see the possibility is to really help them tap into what is it they really desire, what is it that they really long for. And I think we've been dancing around this already. You know, what is it that they long for and help them speak it. They can write it, they can journal it, and then speak it to you. I think also they can really ask themselves, what is it that they love? You know, we've been talking about that a little bit. You know, can you get back to something that you love? 
And then the, the uh, another one that occurs to me is, you know, what um, I've asked my clients this question so many times, what do you know to be true for yourself? And sometimes when you get the answers to what do you know to be true for you, out, out comes the courage. And we need to help our clients move from a place of just enduring this transition uh, to embracing it. And that in itself is a, is a process. I was thinking, um, I, always read po- I always read poems when I'm in class. And a poem, um, there's many poems that occur to me when we talk about transitions. And one of the ones that uh, sort of fits with what you just asked me, Kate, is this one called My Dead Friends by a woman named Marie Howe. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I like the first few lines, and I think it, this partly answers what you just asked me. She writes, I have begun, when I'm weary and can't decide an answer, to a bewildering question, to ask my dead friends for their opinion, and the answer is often immediate and clear. Should I take the job, move to the city? Should I try to conceive a child in my middle age? They stand in unison, shaking their heads and smiling. Whatever leads to joy is what they always answer. Mm. That is beautiful. Yeah. So the questions that I was just telling you, I think, help a person tap into um, really the simplest version, which is not often the easiest, but the simple is, how do you know what it is you love and how do you go after that? You know, I remember also there's another poem where uh, Mary Oliver says, you know, you just have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. So I think that helps because when we tap into what we love, then we can tap into what it is we might like to create. And where what the world needs and what we love can come together is where we have something that we can actually create to give out to the world. I'm really struck by, as you're talking about this, by how you are making the connection between one's ability to really ask yourself these deep personal questions and allow yourself to answer them as a doorway into possibility and toward the future you want. In other words, those answers aren't coming from somebody else's advice. Those answers are coming from within. Right. Yeah, it's hard to trust that sometimes if you're not used to um, giving yourself that kind of space. And yet, as you're reading reading, um, the poem and talking about this, and I'm reflecting on my own experience and and that of the many people I I know who have undergone major transitions, we know so much within ourselves that we don't always allow ourselves to fully know. Right. That's exactly right. And so when when we're... uh, so when we're in a transition, you know, it's not like it's not like we're walking away from something. Well, we are, but we still have to be in life, right? So we're not walking away from life, and we need to find our way in that. So I think it's really important that we take care of ourselves so that we can gain access to the creative parts of ourselves that will help us define what's next. You know, Chris, you make a connection to the adult development earlier. You were talking about, um, you know, stage development has been something you've been interested in for the past seven years and have really studied and looked at. And can you just say a little bit about how, um, how development as an adult affects transitions or what, what, is, what, do you, what does that actually have to do with transition? Okay, well... 
Um, there are there are what I would call buckets. Um, buckets of development. Let's just put it that way. And there's one bucket that sort of is the development of our ego. And that's where we are, you know, going and learning things and learning to be an expert in something and setting goals and accomplishing those goals and setting more goals and accomplishing those goals. And all of that development is development that I think our culture supports very, very well. All the management training, the leadership training, uh, college training, everything's preparing us for this, you know, this ability to really achieve and be this full version of ourselves, our achiever selves, accomplishing, accomplishing a lot. And then there's a second bucket, which is uh, a bucket where actually we, we sort of stand back and look at that ego and everything that it has brought to us, and then we say, hmm, I don't think, I really think I want to do something different. I don't really, I don't really want to do this anymore. I've, I've accomplished so many things, I'm tired. I need something different. So in, in adult development uh, terms, when we get to that place of totally reauthoring what we have done up until now, uh, we are often in a place where um, there isn't a lot of support, which I've pointed to, mm-hmm. and where um, our ego is less, you know, less in front of the frame, right? It's more about um, how we connect to other people, how we connect to the world, how we connect to nature, uh, how we see ourselves in time. Um, oftentimes when you're in the ego development place, you don't really see yourself in a, in a vast sort of uh, space of linear time. And as you move through these stages, your sense of time becomes very expanded. Your perspectives become expanded. You start to see things through other people's eyes. And so this, these are all just amazing um, stages that we go through. Every one of them is sacred, and every one of them is profound, and every one of the, each one of them is necessary in order to get to the next one. And so I'm fascinated by this because those transitions um, may come as a part of a regular transition like taking a new job or losing someone or uh, losing a job. Um, those are transitions that can also um, happen where, where um, your transition as an adult can also happen inside of those. And it's a can or, you know, it's a not necessarily, but it's a possibility. Probably that didn't make any sense. But anyway, you can have a stage transition without having uh, a precipitating event. And you can also have a precipitating event and have a stage transition. And you can have a precipitating event and not have a stage, stage transition. Hmm. So it's not a given that you're going to be progressing developmentally just because something's right. happened in your life. Or you don't actually have to have something dramatic happen in order to... Um, experience one of these transformational changes. Right. And every time you shift the stage, you're in a transformational change. Mm-hmm. And some of them feel easier for, for us and some of them feel tougher. I think the one that's the toughest is when you start to really challenge everything that you've learned uh, from external sor- sources and you say, nope, I don't want that anymore. Nope. I don't care about that anymore. I want to do this. That one's yeah. the toughest one. Well, you know, I often think about this in the context of organizational life where people have performance reviews and they're given a rating. And so their sense of being accomplished, being good, is coming from this external system that says you're a top performer or you're not a top performer, whatever it says. And 
success for some period of one's career, especially, um, is defined by the organization, by your boss, you know, by the, the expectations around you. But there is a moment that many people come to where suddenly they feel like, you know, I'm still getting a great review, but I don't seem to care as much about right. this way of understanding success. This doesn't mean as much to me as it used to. And I, I actually see these kinds of moments sometimes correspond, especially for uh, professional women, with having children. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the, that crucible of life stage development along with career um, development um, puts puts things in a perspective that no longer makes quite the same kind of sense. And a lot of times some really wonderful adult stage development happens um, coming out of those uncomfortable moments. And they yes. are uncomfortable. Yes. And the, and the opposite can be true, too. I was coaching a man who I thought was incredibly talented, very verbal, articulate, um, head and heart, nice balance, you know. And I coached him for a while, and, you know, he was really achieving a lot. His, he was very moving up very well in his company. And he called me after about a year, and he said, I, I need you to coach me again. And I said, what's up? He goes, well, I am just done, coach. I am done leading uh, to get results. And I said, well, so what's different? What are you going to lead for now? He says, I'm going to lead by values. I'm not going to lead by results anymore. I'm going to lead by values. Well, that was, to me, just a, a great big bell ringing that some, there was a shift happening for him. Mm-hmm. He was letting go of the, you know, actually the whole corporate culture that he was in was all about results. And he said, nope, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to go to values. He said, I'll still, of course, have to get results, which, by the way, we all have to do inside of an organization, right? We're not going to stay very long if we're not getting results. But he wanted to shift his style of leading to being more values-driven. And the journey, his journey of transitioning from results to values probably took, I'm going to say, a good two years. It was very challenging because it was not culturally supported. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, people didn't really understand where he was coming from. He had a lot of work to do to bring people along, which is, of course, what any leader has to do whenever there's a change. Uh, but for him, the change was inside of him. And in order for him to feel good about who he was being and what he was bringing, he had to make this shift. And that's actually one of the things that's pretty compelling about adult development shifts is that you get to this place where you just cannot go back to the way it was. You just get sick of yourself there. I'm glad you're saying that out loud for our listeners because we feel this. We, we get to this place and it's so good to hear someone just say it because yeah. often we feel alone when we reach that moment and we feel like there's what's the matter with me you know the fact that this is a common part of developing as a human being that's really valuable yeah yeah it is because when you're when you're really sick of yourself of course then you're motivated to do something different (laughs) right you you don't (laughs) want to live with that self anymore uh and the good news is that eventually um Eventually, when we are, are moving through these stages of development, eventually we learn to embrace that self that we were sick of, right? And we recognize him or her as somebody who was really important to our developmental path. Thank yeah. God she was there saying, stop this, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. The very, the very person who drove you to make a change potentially could be the catalyst for the best thing that's ever going to happen for you. So it's exactly. a, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and really bring this home, this relationship between um, being in a transition, being gutsy about it, and pursuing your dreams. So we'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Facing a new day. Delivering services efficiently. Improving citizens' lives. Booz Allen Hamilton supports the most important challenges of government. From defense and economic security to health and cyber solutions, Booz Allen's strategy and technology consultants partner with clients to deliver results that endure. Whether managing today's issues or looking beyond the horizon, clients can count on Booz Allen to help them be ready for what's next. BoozAllen.com slash ready for what's next. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. This is Kate Ebner. We're talking with Christine Wall today about gutsy transitions, finding the courage to pursue your dreams. And we would love to bring for everybody, Chris, um, I think just some some real simplicity and clarity about... Um, you know, you've done such a beautiful job of, of talking about what, a tra- what tra- transitions entail, what it's like to be in one, um, being in that place of not knowing, letting yourself ask those questions about desire, and letting yourself be guided by that instead of that fix-it mindset that you were referring to in the first part of our program. And so as we, as we wind down our hour, I would love to have you give us just some advice. If you were to sort of... Um, ad- you know, if you were if if you were faced with someone who was really facing a transition and was in that place of not knowing, what tips, what ideas, in summary, would you really want to plant with them? All right. Well, um, I think I've said this already, but they need to engage with themselves, and what I mean by that is just know what they're feeling as often as they can, and to just honor it, acknowledge it, try not to make it go away. Because whenever there's a negative feeling that we try to make go away, it just comes and surfaces some other place. So it's just good to be with it because eventually then it it sort of does recede. Um, I think you have to acknowledge the fact that you're letting go of something 
and starting something new, and that uh, the space between those two things can be longer than you thought. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly important uh, that you eat right, get exercise, get good sleep, and surround yourself with people who actually um, bring light to you because that's really what's happening for us is we're actually trying to expand our own light during a transition. And I think we need to be around people who have that positive influence on us. And I think if we can't do that, I think we have to be measured about how much time we spend with people who drain our energy. Because one of the things that I know about transition is that even though it looks like nothing's happening, something's happening. And um, you might feel tired. Um, It's important to take care of yourself. And I think we talked about the fact that you can have tremendous creative energy at this time, and I think it's important to tap into those those places that help you find that. It could be yoga, it could be meditation, it could be walking in the woods, it could be going to the art museum, it could be, you know, watching films, making flowers grow, finding some time to actually do things that you love, that bring a smile to your face, I think is also really important. And the other piece is is to just put one foot in front of the other, however much that is in a day is enough, and to believe in you have to have faith in what you can't yet see. I once had a client who was uh, about to embark on a big transition. Uh, some of it was uh, where the universe conspired externally for things to happen, but she was also feeling it on the inside. What she did, and she was one of those people who could do this, not all of us can, is she took time off. And she decided to take a sabbatical, and she told me, she said that her guide during the sabbatical was going to be her intuition. She was going to do whatever her intuition led her to. And, of course, she had a very, very rich and uh, creative time during this time that she took off because her intuition uh, was always right on. And she ended up just having a blast and learning a ton about herself. Hmm. That is very helpful, the way that you've just laid that out. And it brings me, thinking about that sabbatical, and then I suddenly popped into my mind someone I spoke with yesterday who probably can't take a sabbatical um, and is filled with fear at the moment because Mm -hmm. they're in one of those transitions that he doesn't have a lot of control over Mm -hmm. and needs to find a job and is just really Mm -hmm. feeling anxious about the future, you know. Let's talk again about courage and, you know, what do you do if you're actually... Finding yourself, when you have that moment of truth and you say, what am I feeling? And the answer comes back, fear. What, mm-hmm. what, what then? Yeah. So fear is uh, something that we all feel. Uh, I certainly have been um, gripped by it. Um, and what I've learned personally is that when I'm feeling fear, it's usually about um, something that hasn't happened yet. And um, that if I really think about it long enough, I'm probably going to create whatever it is I'm afraid of. And I don't mean that to sound glib. But I think I, for me, I need to find a way to recognize the fear as something that I'm anticipating. And it's something that is, in reality, that something is not here yet. Does that make any sense? It does. You know, you're making a, a really interesting point, And that is that um, fear is 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 um, a thought based in the future. In other mm-hmm. words, you're actually imagining the worst, you know, to right. come and allowing yourself, you know, and feeling as if it's 
inevitable or as if it's definitely going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. So that's a really great distinction. And it brings me back to your earlier point about, you know, breathing in and being in the present moment and really being centered in the here and now. Because from here and now, this moment, this day, you can make choices or take baby steps that actually support you in a much better resolution than that fear-based idea. Right. And I think it's really important to face the fear. That's where courage comes in. I think it's important to talk to somebody about the fear. And I think that whoever it is you talk to, my hope is that that person's going to be able to show you, well, wait a minute, you have faced fear before. You have come through it before. And that's really what courage is about. It's about mm-hmm. facing the fear. I'm not sure who said this, but it's facing the fear and, and going ahead and doing what you need to do anyway. Hmm. And, and that said, fear, fear is scary. One of the best books that I read about that was called um, Lost Between Lives by a man named Dan- Daniel Holden. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, uh, almost a journal of his, his uh, journey uh, to courage through fear. It's an amazing L- book. Lost Between Lives. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, the fact that you go to the bookstore when you are... Um, in transition is helping us all. <laughs> Great recommendations here today. Um, so we've talked about some steps to take. We've talked about um, facing fear and um, finding courage in the ways that we've suggested. I wonder about vision. You know, my experience with with allowing oneself to answer those questions about what does my heart desire, you know, the, that series of questions you put forward, is that it begins to give you... S- some ideas, and whether you feel you can actually actualize those or move toward those right away or not, simply allowing yourself to move into um, thinking about what you really want and what it would look like and being as specific as you can, as detailed as you can about what it is you would love to create, as you put it, um, for the future. That piece is a real pathway um, from the here and now toward the transitional outcome that you're really hoping for. Maybe that's maybe that's, that's making it too, right. too results-oriented. I'm sorry. I would add Is, one piece to that, Kate, is that when mm-hmm. you get that, when you start to get the, the idea of what it is you truly desire, uh, I have found that, you know, if you start to map it out on the back of a napkin or you start to talk to people about it, mm-hmm. that somehow uh, alignment can begin to happen. In other words, you, you take a step, you, you make an action, you talk to somebody, you run an idea by somebody, you get people together to talk about something, uh, you actually can start to create something, and it gets its own momentum. That's actually what happened uh, with creating the training program at Georgetown. It was something I, I loved and wanted to do, and I had no idea that it would end up the way, the way it has. No idea at all. And so I think for our listeners, it's important to know that you don't have to know how it's going to end up. I think you just have to be be in the process of making something happen, step by step. That's that's a, a fantastic way for us to bring this to a close. We have about 30 seconds left, and I wanted mm-hmm. to invite you to read a poem for us, and then we're just going to end there. So before you read your poem, I want to thank you, Chris, for being my guest today. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. And since this is your life, all of you, and since transition is such a big part of it, I'm going to read this poem that I love called Love After Love by Derek Walcott. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, 
in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your life. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.